You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. For the three godly men from Israel, it is testing time. They are about to be tried by fire. And thankfully, they choose to obey God rather than giving into the pressure around them. It reminds me of the verse in Acts 5, verse 29, which says, We ought to obey God rather than men. You know, times of triumph are often followed by times of severe testing. And that's the way it is in the book of Daniel for his three godly friends here in Daniel chapter 3. After seeing their prayer answered and their lives saved, they are again sentenced to death for following their God and refusing to worship the king's idol. Last week, we looked at this mandate and what was expected of them. Um, The image we looked at, it was probably some pagan image such as an obelisk or something that was modeled after something from Egypt. I personally don't think it's an image of a person or of Nebuchadnezzar himself, although this was an object that was um, very personal to Nebuchadnezzar. So worshiping the object was, in a sense, showing submission to Nebuchadnezzar himself and worshiping in his honor, basically. So the invitation went out to all these people, like eight different types of people, princes, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, rulers. All these people are gathered together and they are given the simple instructions to bow down to the image and worship it as soon as the music starts playing. And man, just imagine this moment. I was just thinking about this passage and try to put yourself there. You have all these instruments, all these people are out in this plane, and everyone's eyes, I'm sure, were were just looking at the image. I'm sure they were glancing at Nebuchadnezzar and him sitting there looking for, you know, the, the loyalty of all of his subjects. And then I'm sure everyone's eyes were fixed on the orchestra, on the musicians, waiting for that cue to start the music, and and that's when they were all expected to bow. And we looked at that music last week, just kind of an aside, kind of an application, that there's always a certain type of music for idolatry, and there's a certain type of music that's for the worship of God. So we want to make sure that we're testing what kind of music we listen to and what music we use in worshiping God so that it's not the music that's more characteristic of idolatry and sensual pagan worship and just emotionalism. We want to test our music. So today we're going to look at the meekness of Daniel's friends. And that kind of sounds odd, I think, because here are these guys that are tried by fire. They are about to go up against the king. They're about to rebel against what he told them to do. And I've titled this point here, the meekness of Daniel's friends. And we're going to see why that is as we go along. But let's start out by reading here in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 8. So the Bible says here, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. 
They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree, and every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of the of a burning fiery furnace. So they come and approach the king to inform him of his disloyal subjects. And they start out with flattery. And boy, do they know how to pump Nebuchadnezzar's tires. <laughs> Beware of those who flatter you to your face. Because that basically informs you that they are manipulative and that they're just trying to use you. Flattery is no good, especially for young men who are beginning preachers. That's why the Bible makes the qualification that you are not to be a novice because you can easily be lifted up in pride and fall into the snare of the devil. So do not listen to flattery. Do not accept flattery. Do not give flattery. But notice, as we continue reading here in verse 12, notice what they say when they make their accusation of these Jewish men here. So verse 12, he says, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. So he says, They have not regarded thee, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Notice that they make their accusation a personal thing between these Jewish men and Nebuchadnezzar. And this happens a lot. A person's obedience to God is viewed as a personal insult or an attack towards those around them when it is no such thing. As we're going to see these men, their stand was made in meekness and with respect and even obedience to both God and the government. But nevertheless, these men did stand. They did not bow. And that was all God expected them to do. So now we're going to see in verses 13 through 15, they get a second chance to sin. So let's read it. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But... If ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So he asks them, first off, he asks them if the accusation is true. And then seemingly, without giving them even a chance to answer for themselves, he then makes them them an offer. He was going to give them a second chance. And if they bowed this time, he would just forget the punishment from the first time. So it seems like a generous offer, I'm sure, from his point of view. He just says, look, I'll give you a second chance. We're going to do this again. I'm going to let you try again. And if you bow, we'll just forget that this little incident happened. And many times, it's this point right here 
that is the most difficult time to stand for what's right. It's even more difficult than taking the initial stand. After first choosing to do right, then the second offer comes. It's that opportunity to back out of the path that you've begun to go down. It's, in this case, it's a promise not to punish. If you'll just change your mind, if you'll just recant what you did, you know, then we won't punish you or whatever the case may be. We won't harass you. We won't tease you at work, you know. But that's what this is. It's the easy way out. How many times do we start down the path to do right only to fall to that second offer of sin? It is so difficult to take a stand against sin and then remain firm in that stand even when that second offer comes. You know, it's easy. It's easier just to backtrack, just to take the, the easy way out, to take the escape exit. But we have to develop really spiritual stubbornness, if you will, to stand no matter how many opportunities are offered or given to us, no matter how many counter offers were given to backtrack, to back out, you know, to change course. So this is that second chance that they were given to do wrong. It's that opportunity to bend a little bit, to take that escape. But listen to their statement. So the king didn't give them a chance to answer. He just jumps right in and offers them the second time. But before the instruments are queued up again, the men don't even accept that promised second opportunity. They they re- respond with incredible braveness and they show their true humility, but also their true loyalty. So let's read starting in verse uh, 16 is where we left off. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So let's talk about, first of all, their meekness toward God. This is kind of obvious because they submitted to God by not bowing down to the idol. That's the reason that they stood up in the first place. But these men make it very clear that they don't need a second chance to make up their mind. They're not, you know, trying to decide what they're going to do. They've already decided in their minds what they're going to do. And that's kind of a lesson in and of itself that we don't need to put ourselves through unnecessary temptations. We don't need to accept, you know, extra chances to do wrong. Just avoid the opportunity to fall and hold your position. So they give the real reason for their stand. They don't give some softened excuse. You know, many times we end up excusing our decisions or blaming on some side issue. But what that does is it allows the other side just to offer, you know, something slightly different, just to kind of change the circumstances when we should have just from the very beginning, been honest and owned the reason why we were deciding to decline. So when given the opportunity, for example, to uh, meet my boss at the bar one day, or he said, you could meet me at the bar, or you can meet me at the shop. Well, I just messaged him back that I would just drive straight to the shop. 
you know, to meet with him instead of going to the bar because I do not go to bars. And so by giving that full reason and just being straightforward, I helped myself from being put in a similar situation later that I would have to say no to again, you know, and you could make up some other reason, you know, that it's closer or, you know, whatever. But if you just give the real reason, that's what these men did. They said, no, King, we're not going to bow to you or to your image. We're not going to worship the gods that you set up. Why? Because we only serve the true God. But notice also their meekness towards the government. This point's not quite as obvious because many assume that being obedient to God must require bowing your back in rebellion against all other authority. You know, I think sometimes people think this because this is the scenario that they've seen, you know, of a person who's trying to do right and they are rude and arrogant and degrading to those who are around them. But it shouldn't be that way. These men were bold, but they were not rude. And even even though the, the king's view of them changed in verse 19, we're going to see that his he was full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against them. But they still did not fight the consequences. They submitted to the punishment that they were promised. They just accepted it. So that's their meekness towards the government. They didn't fight back or claim that their punishment was unjust. They didn't sue the government. That wasn't a thing back then in this empire. They calmly accepted the consequences for their choice. And we don't read that the soldiers had to manhandle them or had to restrain them. You know, they were just simply bound and cast into the fire without any commotion. And that's how it should be when we take a stand. Shouldn't be our goal to start trouble or to stir up an uproar. We ought to follow the example of these men who quietly and calmly refuse to conform to the wicked practice around them. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.